Live from Beit Shemesh and broadcasted around the world, you are listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Nahum Klegman. Interviews and advice from Jewish entrepreneurs from around the world. Listen, learn, be Masliach. Welcome to the From Entrepreneur, episode 17. And today I am happy to interview Mayor Goodman from Patient Communicator. Patient Communicator is an application that allows doctors and medical professionals to communicate with their patients. Uh, it's really an exciting venture. I'm hearing such amazing things about it, and I'm very proud to have Mayor on board. Mayor? Good morning. Mayor, really uh, fantastic. First of all, so tell us a little bit about what is Patient Communicator? Patient Communicator is an add-on platform for the medical industry. There's something that's called the practice management software. That's essentially the foundation that runs any medical office. It does the charts, the building, the x-rays, the prescriptions, etc. So you would say that kind of like QuickBooks for the medical industry? QuickBooks on steroids. QuickBooks focuses on the finances. The practice management software focuses on everything. It's lacking in terms of communication. Excellent. So they're still sending out snail mail through the practice management software. What we've done is that we've seen the void, what's lacking, what other you know companies are essentially doing, let's call them the competition, and speaking with different medical professionals, finding out what ideally they would like and filling that void in terms of patient communication. So it's not a standalone application. It's more of it, it builds into... That's other. correct. We've had numerous you know requests from clients that might be, for example, a lawyer, an accountant who's a patient in the doctor or dentist's office, he gets our correspondence, our text message, loves the system, calls us to find out how he could get it. But currently, we are not a standalone product. We're in the process of integrating with Outlook, which would allow us to work with you know a broader range of audience. But yes, right now, we are an add-on to the practice management software platform. It's actually a fantastic niche because, you know, sometimes people think that they have to go out and they have to build something that's totally new, something that, you know, but there's a lot of money to be made in uh, sort of, you know, creating something that's necessary into existing platforms. So it is still a big undertaking, even though it's not a practice management software, oh, no, for it's sure. still its own standalone platform. Now, I know people that have created applications for uh, WordPress and, uh, you know, they have teams of uh, 30, 40 people just to manage the application. So even though it fits into WordPress, but uh, right. so I totally get the concept. I think it's fantastic. So what does it mean by communicator? Like how does it, uh, what is the uh, software missing that you guys are adding? Uh, essentially the doctor makes, the patient makes an appointment. Now the question what? So the, the current modus operandi is that the office manager, the receptionist will manually call that patient to make sure that they come in. So our system is completely automated. You basically set it and forget it. And again, it works in conjunction with the practice management software. So as long as that appointment is in the system, our system will run in an automated fashion, send out an email, text, and a voice call to confirm that patient's appointment. We also have uh, what's called an early reminder. A lot of appointments are booked four to six months in advance, so we could send out an early reminder like a save the date type of notification, as well as, in my opinion, most importantly, is the day of reminders. The day of reminders dramatically reduces no-shows. Unfortunately, a lot of people simply forget about their appointment. Let's face it, your cleaning is not your most important part of the day. So don't mind your teeth cleaning. Exactly. Your teeth cleaning or your annual eye exam, whatever it might be. Those type of routine procedures, the more elective type of procedures. So we send out a reminder an hour, an hour and a half beforehand. And this is really just the tip of the iceberg. This is the nucleus that we built our system around. We have what's called true two-way texting, which really is what our system was founded upon, which 
you know, the whole world that lives around texting. Everybody texts. You're in a meeting, you can't take a phone call, but you can take a text message. So our system actually has a mobile number built into the platform. So if the patient has a question, they don't have to wait on hold anymore. They could simply text it in and the office responds, right? They want to know, can I switch my appointment? Can I come in an hour earlier? Can I come in an hour and later? My husband got home early from work. Can you squeeze him in the same time as my appointment? Simply text it in, pop up notification on the officer's screen and their response is just one click away. Oh, so that's fantastic. So like if, you, if you're like on your way, but you need directions or even you need the address, you just text it and then it'll pop up on the office's screen computer and they'll yeah. be able to. That's, exactly. That's, that's really brilliant. That's actually fantastic. And uh, I know definitely needed. So, I mean, so I guess it's the technology aspect of being able to integrate text messaging into a computer. It's uh, proprietary technology. We're the only system. It's not everybody offers text messaging. Nobody offers it the way we do it. There's something that's called short code on the market, which people might be familiar when they get a text message from 33-282. That's marketing. It's a one-way type of system that Walgreens might tell you your prescriptions ready, whatever it might be, could get a message from who knows what, but you can't respond to that. We actually have a mobile number that's local for every single office built into our platform. That facilitates the true two-way texting. That number is stagnant for every single office. And that's amazing. And does it just show up on uh, one computer or can it show up on multiple computers? It show up on office, any, any computer Mobile devices. Want. Can you have it, it show up on a phone? Correct. Everywhere that they want. And then you could just text back. So You click a button, you text back. We even have a conversation view just like on any smartphone, which shows what was sent, what was received with different colors and a timestamp. So you could have multiple staff managing the conversation at the same time. That's really fantastic. So tell me, first of all, before we get uh, delving deeper, which I, you know, I definitely want to do, where, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you're from? I grew up in Hillcrest in uh, Queens, New York. I went to YCQ for elementary school, MTA for high school. I went to Yeshiva Kotel for two years, which is now Nitiv Aryeh, then Torah Straga for my third year. And afterwards, I went back to learn in Orachaim on Main Street in Queens. And I coupled that with uh, going to Turo college and in turn what you study i mean you studied communications in turn like does anything I, you do like how, how did this all come about i mean it's a fantastic idea there's obviously some i went to college for my parents <laughs> it's funny i just did uh, my last interview which uh episode 16 with uh, some luck we just talked about you know how parents set up a pattern that were so used to this pattern of going to grade school going to high school going to college and no one's thought to say hey maybe this doesn't work anymore but uh, we still do things to please our parents i hope my parents are not listening to this <laughs> but uh i firmly do not believe in a college education you, you need to have a head on your shoulders you need writing skills you need math and that's really it I, I, it took me a year and a half to do i graduated quote unquote with honors magna cum laude and it's not really worth the piece of paper that's written on wow i guess unless you're going for a law degree or medical correct degree or if you're going but... i'm assuming most of your listeners are not trying to grow the corporate ladder to climb that corporate ladder for any individual it's really street smarts and you can't learn that there's no book that you could learn that from it's it just it's just learning on the job growing adapting and taking it from there Amazing. Really, really great. And I totally agree with that. So, okay, so you're a Queens boy. Okay, so you finished Toro. How did we get to... Now, it wasn't originally called Patient Communicators. It was called Total Recall Correct. Total Recall Solutions. The company actually is incorporated as Total Recall Solutions. We started out focusing on the dental industry for lots of different reasons. Once we branched out into other industries, so then we changed the name to Patient Communicator. Recall is very predominant. It's the term of getting your patients back 
into the chair. So for dentistry, it's hygiene. You're cleaning twice a year for optometry, once a year for your annual exam. Once you expanded past those industries and went to another vertical, so then that term recall was less prominent, is applicable, but we did rebrand under the name patient communicator. Now, I was going to say that you know, when you were talking about it, I said, wow, I said this application can be huge and used not just for patients, but sort of almost any industry that we're interacting with people, uh, I could see this platform being uh, you know, a solution for them. Correct. It's important to set your sights. Well, you got to focus. That I understand. Exactly. You have to focus. You could start anywhere, but if you spread yourself you know, too thin, then it's just not going to work. That, you know, there's a famous phrase that a jack of all trades is a master of none. So we really wanted to really you know, accomplish something, fill a void before you move on, before you go to make sure that you're servicing your clients in the most efficient manner before you take on something else. So let's step back a little bit and say, okay, so you went from Toros. When did you come up with the idea? What made you go into this? You saw the pain in the market and then how'd you do it? Pretty simple. I was learning in coal for a lot of years and for the reality was I needed to learn to, to leave Kolal. I need to get a job. So on one hand, it was a very hard decision. But on the other hand, when something is extremely clear, it makes it a lot more easy to digest. So at that point in time, there were essentially two options in front of me. Get a job working for somebody else or work for myself. So I'm a Schwitzer. I'm a go-getter. I'm a very hard worker. So I thought to myself, if I could work for myself and be my own boss, so then why not? So at that point in time, I essentially had two options. A friend of mine has a medical building company. So he wanted me to go into sales for him and you know help expand into other territories. Simultaneously, I was talking to another friend who has a online scheduler for parent-teacher conferences. Interesting. So I essentially took those two ideas, online scheduling, and thought that that's a great idea. Why not bring it to the medical market? Right? Lots of appointments, very frequent lack of efficiency in the, the current operation and take it from there. So I started speaking to people, speaking to a lot of doctors, speaking to a lot of dentists, finding out you know what their thoughts are. In my opinion, it's very, very important to do market research. Just because you think something is a great idea does not necessarily mean that the market is going to agree with you. So before you start and really you know roll up your sleeves and invest a lot of time and money, market research, in my opinion, is absolutely critical. So I did a lot of market research and the response was, we want to text. The current offerings did not have that. As I mentioned to you before, and there's a one-way communication platform. Right. They want to text. The concept is we want to communicate with our patients just like our friends and family. And that's what we delivered on. So when we entered the market, we entered very, very late in the game. There are companies that were around for 8, 10 years, way before us, major players backed by multi-billion dollar corporations. But that didn't scare us off because if you know know what you're trying to accomplish. If you know if you could deliver a product that people want, even if they're bigger, better people in the room, you're still going to be able to be successful if you could service them appropriately. Really uh, fantastic. And uh, you know, I totally agree with the uh, market research. Too many people, they say, hey, why don't we open up another pizza store when there's already four existing? Or you know, they say, you know, I have a great idea. Why don't we do this? And they don't take that very important step, finding out who says that People are going to want your product. And even if they do want the product, who says that you could build it and sell it for a price that makes sense to them? Like a lot of times people will say, hey, it's a great product and, you know, it's fantastic. But, you know, when you try to sell it for the profit you need to make in order to cover your expenses, it just becomes, you know, not cost effective for a company. So Absolutely. Research is definitely key. How'd you fund it? Did you get investors or you? I did not. 
Um, I'm 100. percent It's that coal oil money you uh, saved up. Exactly. <laughs> when you go on a call and you rake it in hand over fist, it's um, thank God my parents have been extremely, extremely supportive. See, it's, now we do hope they're listening. Now we do hope that my, my, my parents know. Um, we've. Uh, I can't speak for other people. I could speak for myself. You know, we, we've had offers from day one from people to invest into the company, to buy, you know, one, 1%, 2% of the company. We, we've had offers to buy a majority share in the company. We've had offers to buy the entire company. And being the decision maker, being the, the sole owner of the company, I think that's led to a lot of success because we're dealing with very large companies. The company's a lot larger than us. And if there's a board, if there's a bureaucracy behind that, because money comes at a cost, when you take on on VC, when you take on angels, so you have to report to them. You're not your own boss. You have to answer to them. You have to do a lot of times things that you wouldn't normally do if it was up to you. But at the end of the day, they're calling the shots because they're the ones that funded and it's their money that's on the line. So by turning that down from day one and sacrificing, and it's not easy. I was saying, it must have been tempting. Someone's coming and saying, hey, I'll put X amount of dollars in your bank account. And it's sort of... You know, you feel, hey, you get that nice chunk of change now. It's very hard uh, to resist that. It's important to balance the long-term goals with, with that. I guess, you know, let's just call it that temptation. It, it's very important to have a supportive family, a supporting network around you. I, there's no way that I could have done this without the support of my wife. You know, we're going on four years now. And, you know, one of the things that, that, that you asked me beforehand is, you know, what makes somebody successful? And I think it's sacrifice. When you're, when you're dealing with an entrepreneur, when you're dealing with a startup, so you are the last person on the pole everybody comes before you. And if you're not willing to make that sacrifice, if you're not willing to push that off for the greater good, so then you're not going to be successful. All your employees come before you. Every single person in the company comes before you. You have those bills to pay. You're the last one. So if even you're Mati? the type... Even Mati? Even Mati. <laughs> so if you're the type of person that wants that instant gratification, that immediate result, I don't you know, suggest starting your own business. Incredible. Really, really important stuff. I mean, you're really hitting uh, some important notes for, for entrepreneurs. And I, I just want to uh, reiterate to what you had just said um, about not taking, when you don't take other people's money, you get to make the decisions. No one else gets to tell you what to do. You don't always have to be looking over your shoulder and trying to please everybody. And, you know, uh, that's important because a lot of times people are tempted by taking the big investment, but then, yeah, you are mishubit to other people. So hanging on and holding out, and, and it also comes to not just taking money, but when it comes to taking a co-founder, I mean, these are all important points to remember. But it's a balancing act. Sometimes that comes with certain things. You know, there's, you know, for lack of a better term, there's dumb money and there's smart money. If somebody's willing to, you know, roll up their sleeves, get into the trenches with you, open up doors for you, that's a whole different story. Sure. So it's a matter of looking at the big picture. I don't think there's, you know, it's a black and white line that you could say take or not take everybody and their own has to analyze the pros and the cons and what is not everybody has access you know to you know to, to the funds that i quote unquote had so it's it's important and you know just for the record at every point in time i've always asked my parents if they would like me to take the money mm-hmm. and every time you know my parents both said only if you want to don't do it for us wow. and it's sacrifice it's a long time you know of of not being able to pay your own bills and rolling over money from credit card to credit card and it's it's a long call but thank god once you get over it and and you're cash flow positive it's, it's a whole different world to be your own boss right amazing really amazing so what what are some i mean you mentioned some of the challenges uh you know getting started but what type of challenges have stuck out in uh, your head when when building this over the last four years and how'd you overcome them in my opinion the biggest challenge that i personally had was finding the right talent 
you could have the best idea, but if you don't have people to help you execute it, so then essentially you're a one-man operation. And it happens to be in the high-tech world that I live in with zero programming background, it's extremely important to have proper talent. So it's rough. It's really rough. You know, when it, when it, when Did I, you outsource it first, the technology? I don't, I don't outsource anything. So from day one, you, you had From day one, I decided that everything is going to be in-house because if it's in-house, you could control it. Mm-hmm. If you outsource something, you're dependent on circumstances that are out of your control. And when you're responsible for your product, when you're responsible for the clients and you can't deliver, they're not going to want to know, oh, it's because somebody else is this. It's your name that's on the line. And the only way that I could protect my name, my reputation is by owning the resources. That's a, that's a very good point because it's, it's, I guess, the old story of uh, being penny wise but pound foolish, you know, trying to save a few bucks by going over to India for... Uh... Anybody who's listening, stay away. <laughs> stay away. So it, it's hard. I almost threw in the towel. We went, uh, when I first started the company, you know, it was, it was six months that, you know, a lot of development time, a tremendous amount of money that, uh, you know, I guess, you know, it was, it was just gone. It was, it just, it, it wasn't usable and I was ready to quit. And my father gave me the encouragement to continue. And uh, thank God from that storm, that disaster came my, my CTO, who has been a tremendous bracha from Hashem. What's his name? His name is Yosef Kramer. Okay. And uh, Baruch Hashem, we've been growing since. So it's perseverance, you know, it's... Uh, staying with it. Staying with it. If you look at every single success story, take Steve Jobs, for example, right? He was ousted from his own company. Didn't look very good for him. And and then from that, he rebuilt it. You know, it, it's, it's the example of Klaiso, right? Take Klaiso, right? You know, the Horbon in, in, in Europe. And look at Klaiso now. Look at the Torah now. Look right. at where we're holding now. It's, it's a matter of rebuilding. If people gave up, so then what would it be? The clause of Bugarevi. I know nobody had a bigger reason to give up besides him. Yeah. But I think that's what separates people, you know, the, the winners from the losers. It's a matter of not giving up, is reaching, digging a little bit deeper. And that's the point, the point that most people quit. The people that don't quit, they go a little bit more. That's when the sun starts to shine. And that's when the success really comes about. So based on that, like, you know, obviously it's all has to do with Siata Deshmaya and, you know, putting in your status. And so have you any like really uh, great uh, Siata Deshmaya moments that you could look back and say, wow, that was like a real... Everything. (laughs) I know nothing about technology and I have a high tech company. So (laughs) that itself is a nascent nigla. Everything is Siata Deshmaya. You have to do your status, but if you think that you're in control, even for a second, Hashem's going to show you very fast that you are an absolute nobody. When the times were rough and you almost, you know, wanted to fold, how did you uh, sort of, you know, I once asked, um, of uh, Winston or Pinchas Winston, I, I once asked him in one of my startups, I said, you know, Rebbe, how do I know if I'm doing what Hashem wants me doing? Right? You take it, you're starting this company, things are rough and things are hard. So anyway, so Winston told me, he says, when you see Siata Dishmaya, like abnormal Siata Dishmaya, you know you're doing what Hashem wants you to be doing. So here you're in a rough position, you know, you're at, you're, you're trying to get over the hurdles. What made you think that this was something that you should still stick with? Uh, I never really thought about it that way. It's a good question. Um, my parents, my parents' encouragement, you know, a lot of money was invested. A lot of time was invested. We knew that it was a good idea by speaking to people, you know, doing the market research. And unfortunately, you just didn't get, uh, you know, the proper employee. You didn't get the proper shlichim. So, um, you know, one, one of the questions that, that you sent me is what's one of the best pieces uh, of advice? So there are two pieces. I, I, have a, I have a very close friend who I was going through a very rough patch. It actually wasn't that long ago. I went through you know, a fairly, you know, fast growth, hired a lot of people. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for various different reasons. And it was quite frustrating because as the owner of the company, as the entrepreneur, I'm always left with the bill, right? right? You try something, it doesn't work out. You have to foot the bill. Right. 
And it was rough. So he told me, he told me very important, and this is the first of the two pieces of information, is that employees are a lot like shidduchim, right? Baruch Hashem, I was okay, you know, I barely dated. I married my wife when I was 20, didn't date a lot of girls, and I knew right away. Very, very lucky. When it came to the business, unfortunately, it took a lot, <laughs> it took, it took, it took a lot longer for that. But he said, very important is that you can't force a shidduch. As long as you're doing your this by vetting the right people, by looking to them and on paper and, and trying to find out about people and, you know, just as a side note, I don't recommend calling, you know, their references on their resume because of course they're going to give you people that they like you want right. you want to speak to other people to find out what the true story is right. but even people that came with glowing reviews it didn't work out again for, for whatever reason but at the end of the day the bottom line is is that you can't force a shidduch so somebody who goes out on a date on two dates, on three dates, on four dates, right? And then the numbers add up, and it's 10, and it's 20. And some people, they had 100, 200 girls. But Baruch Hashem, most people, right, they see the success. They get married, right? right? The light's there at the end of the tunnel. It's the same thing with employees. You can't force it. So that's a great piece yeah, seriously, of Seriously, because even if you do have the right guy, and he's a smart guy, and he's a good guy, like I must a good guy, but it doesn't mean that he's a right fit for the it company to be what a you're trying to do. Correct. Yeah. It 100% it needs to be a shidduch. And the next piece that I've heard countless times and I tell it to everybody you know in the company and in every stage from uh, Rev. Eli Melech Kornfeld so he a rabbi of mine so he, he says beautifully Hashem has a lot of patience for you have some patience for him now, we have <laughs> our timeline right we want this to work why didn't this deal go through it's all about patience there are deals that I'm working on that the seeds were planted two years ago Wow. And the payrolls are starting to grow now. So if you think that you expect, you know, that the results are going to happen overnight, then you're living in a dream world. You have to plan long-term. It's a long-term strategy. It's a long-term growth. And in order to do that, you have to manage appropriately. Cash is key. People burn through cash. And then when they need it, it's not there. So you have to be very frugal. You have to be very smart with it. There's, um, you know, the famous marshal and Chavos Halavova says, you have, you have the farmer. The farmer plants his seed, right? right. And he's warned the seed and nothing's coming he's getting all frustrated so what happens he digs it up right and by digging it up he ruined everything what does he see when he digs it up the seed rotted right. right but that's the process that Hashem came right before it blooms right before it takes root it rots so you're taking something that's nice something that's expensive you plant it you throw it into the dirt it rots but right afterwards that's when it blossoms that's when it flourishes so if you don't have that patience if you rip up that seed too early you're just throwing everything down the tube. So you have to have patience. You can't expect results overnight. Wow, it's uh, amazing, amazing advice. And uh, I love that, didn't it? That Hashem has patience for us. I think that's... Uh, I say, you know, it's so, <laughs> so true. true. <laughs> he hasn't given up on us, right? We all know ourselves better than <laughs> anybody else. Think about how much patience Hashem has for you. Right. Have some for Him. That's really fantastic. It reminds me of, uh, I had a friend of mine who was a, a fundraiser for a, uh, a school for teens at risk. And, you know, he once went on a, you know, a two-week trip to the States trying to raise uh, money. And he really put in a tremendous amount of effort. And he came back and he had barely raised enough. He was expecting to raise $50,000, $100,000. And he barely raised enough just to cover the cost of his flight. And he came back and he spoke with uh, the Posek or Freelander uh, out of Yerushalayim. And um, the Posek told him, he said, you put in your this You did your effort. Where the money's going to come from? That's up to Hashem. And it was like three days later that he got a check for like $50,000 from somebody he wasn't expecting it from, from out of nowhere. Nothing to do with his, with his trip. But we're, we tend to think that, hey, if you do A, then B has to happen. We put in the effort. We put in this dollars, And this is the way 
way that we're telling Hashem that this is the way you have to make us succeed. When really it's the, uh, you know, as you said, have patience. Hashem knows what he's doing. Hashem knows how to make us succeed. And uh, there's unlimited ways that that can happen. We just have to, as you said, put in our, our best efforts. You have to, in my opinion, you have to do Das Torah. Every time, you know, I'm planning a trip, should I do this, should I do that? Certain times I have to travel, you know, Erev Yontif, or sometimes, you know, one time is a different things. I have to travel now during the nine days. It's all about Das Torah. You know, I, I tell my Reb, he has the hardest job. Because you listen. Yeah, you, you listen. Yes or no. He says, yes, I do it. He says, no, I don't do it. It's very, very easy. People get caught up in themselves. It's the I, it's the I, it's I. It's nothing to do with you. If you think that you could read a book and follow the steps for success, no, you have to know what's proper ishtadlis. Now, that's a very, very tough question to answer. What is the gedr proper ishtadlis? So you have to learn shavi tachon and chavis alavavos. But at the end of the day, you have to have a rav, you have to have a posave. Because das Torah, that's the answer. If you should do something, you should not do something. It's all about das Torah. They tell you to do it, you do it, and you listen. And that, that's uh, incredible that you brought that up. Because that's really the foundation of what the From Entrepreneur is all about. And what we're doing here is that, and the reason why I felt this this uh, podcast was important, is that we can't just go and read Seth Godin books and read marketing books and do no idea what? who that is. <laughs> See, <laughs> we can't. We you asked me one of the questions. What books do you recommend? And you put in the link in zero. Zero. You don't recommend any business books. I've never read a business book in my life. You never. <laughs> Amazing. So everything's just been from experience. Everything is on the job. You have. To, yeah. You, you do your part. Right. Somebody who's not uh, who, you know, who doesn't have, let's just say, you know, the intellect capability. Should he go to med school? Should he study? Of course not. Right. You have to have the proper Caleb. Nobody's saying that. What somebody's strong in, somebody else is weak. And you have to know what your cohosts are. But that being said, you just have to do some people might be you could ask a Shiloh. You could ask your Rav, should I read this book? Should I read that book? This and the other. But to me, you know, you, you have a Rav, right? The, the, the famous story of the, of the Chazanish, right? The, the, the Chazanish mapped up how to do a certain surgery. Right. He never re, re, you know, right. read he a medical, medical book in his right. life. But no, Histako Baraisu Barama, Kaddish Baruch who created the world as a blueprint from the Torah. The Chazanish knew Kol Torah Kula. So he was able to tell them exactly what to do based on the Torah. So people think, oh, you have to have this psychology degree and that psychology degree and all these different things. A uh, Rebbe of mine who I'm who I'm close to, Mordechai Finkum in the Mashkiach and Orachayim. So he's he's Osig B'Shalom Bayis Yomam Valayla. He doesn't have degrees. He didn't go to this school or that school. And and you, you know you look at any magazine today. I'm not trying to knock down people, but it's you know you know these Rashi tables after their name and that Rashi tables. And he, he has so many marriages that are Baruch Hashem thriving because of him. And how does he know it? Because he's, he's a Rav. He knows Torah. The Torah gives you everything that you need. It's not that you have to go to this school and that school and that book. And if I don't have this education, I'm not going to succeed. And I need to have an MBA. And I need to go to that school. Fuck it. What does Hashem want for you? If you could do it in, in a from environment, right? This is called the from entrepreneur. What's the from entrepreneur in my opinion? Yeah. You live your entire life. I'll be Torah. That's it. Everything. It's not that you have your home and then you have your work and the two separate things. Baruch Hashem, I'm zocher to work in a from environment. Every single person in my office is from that. You don't have to worry about about anything like that. The from entrepreneur is every single aspect of your life, and it's a Torah shkafa. It's not what you think. What do I need to do? What does this person need to do? No, you have to have a rav. That rav gives you the clarity that you need. What does right. Hashem want from you? So as I said, I, I do think that there is what to gain from secular business books, but we can't take it as hey, if you 
do X, Y, and Z, it's going to work because you could do everything that, that they say out there and everything has succeeded for other people, but we run on a different rhythm, right? We could be working hard and, and, and have a great idea and even get the right team together. And Hashem says, you know what? I don't want to succeed for whatever reasons, right? It's not going to matter. It's not a matter of, of the education, as you say. But that education needs to be kosher, in my opinion. Of course. I remember when I, you know, when, when I was in Turo, I had a complaint about a marketing textbook, right? Turo is supposed to be, a, you know, a nice Hamish environment. Right. And marketing generally is not. So, you know, I complained to the dean about it. So if somebody's going to go, you know, with that cycle, it could be great, but you have to make sure that you're doing it. Is that Ratzon Hashem? If something is, is in, you know, not kosher, if something has unsneezed pictures in it, is that what Hashem wants you to be reading? Right. I don't know. I'm just thinking about I'm, I'm not a rub. I'm not a post it. <laughs> but I can't imagine that you're going to come out ahead of the game in terms of your business, in terms of your bottom of the line, if you do something, a piece of an environment that doesn't make Hashem happy. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, um, you know, it's the, uh, especially when there's a book called uh, All Marketers Are Liars, right? By this guy, Seth Godin. And um, it's one of his many books. And, you know, if you think about it, marketing, and it, it's, it is a Shiloh because, you know, what is marketing? Marketing is trying to convince you that something that costs five cents is really worth $3, right? Right. So there are, you know, but how, how does uh, marketing work in the firm world? What are you allowed to say? What are you allowed to do? There's a lot, of, you know, I, I think one of the market, uh, a simple marketing tactic, right? You always see people advertising for 995 or 999 and there's different sciences uh, and different studies that have been done on what to mark the price. And I remember uh, reading somewhere that, no, if it's $9.99 and you're just using psychologically to make it under $10, just call it $10. Don't try to use psychological tricks because right. it's not going to help. It's not going to benefit you, right? But Or then again, or you can say that, no, that it's part of your style. This is to use these marketing tactics that are out there, right? And and allow them, uh, you know, let them uh, work because, and, and again, it comes out to that, to that, you know, very important topic of um, of a style list, like how much a style list you have to put in in terms of, uh you know, what how, does work in the general world and, you know, what works in the firm world or being a, a yeah, mentor? The firm world revolves around being from. So anything that's secular, if it coincides, if it, you know, complements what, what the Torah offers, is, that's fine. But I think it's important not for you to decide on your own. It's very, very important to have a Rav. Oh, I couldn't agree with that more. And I think a lot of people, uh, and I've seen it, sadly, I've seen it with uh, uh, people in business, uh, just from being in the business world for so long that, you know, when it comes to business, people tend to say, you know, this is how business works. This is how <laughs> business is done. And it's like, but it goes against halacha. It goes against, like I was involved with a company recently. I had investors and uh, they held back, they broke their contract with us and they held back their uh, investment, even though they weren't allowed to. And they, ref and even before that, they refused to give us money to pay employees they, they knew about and people that we hired to do work. And they refused to give us the money to pay them. And the employees are coming to us and uh, one of them is not Jewish. One of them was Jewish, but was not from. And they're saying, why are you not paying us? We did this work. We signed an agreement with us. And, and we tried going back to investors who, who had plenty of money. I mean, there wasn't a money issue. They were uh, individually, they were worth millions of dollars. And they, they just said, well, we, you know, we're, we were cutting your funding because of X, Y, and Z. And I said, but you still have to pay these people. And I was like, what happened to the halachas? You have to pay somebody on time. And it's just when it comes to business, people tend to, to throw it out and say, this is not the way business is done. And, and, and sadly, there are many cases of that. But, you know, ultimately, you think you're succeeding, but you're really not. And we also have to be very careful of making a, a chil Hashem. You know, that's, that's sure. uh, you know, we are looked at, especially if they know that you're a from Jew, people look at us and, and they expect the best from us. And when we don't You act, look like a Jew, you dress like a Jew, everybody walks around, or at least I hope to think everybody walks around with a keep on their head when they're doing business. Right.
So that means everything you have to ask a shayla. I remember I was at a funny story. I was at a, a follow-up convention meeting with somebody a second time. And I asked a shayla, I'm not telling people what to do, but, you know, about shaking hands with women. It's a common shayla that everybody has to deal with. Right. So I always say I'm sick. So it was the second time I'm being like, she's like, you're always sick. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, the traveling really gets to me. <laughs> So yeah, I'm not, again, it's not, it's not, I'm not a POSIC. I'm the farthest thing from a POSIC. But everybody needs to have, you need to, in every single aspect that uh, I just heard a shir from Rav Gamliel Rabbanovich from Yushalayim. And he says that, what does it mean to be a Yid? It's, it's halacha, every single aspect. He's talking about, you know, you can't do tshuva unless you know you did something wrong. He's talking about, you know, learning the kits of Shochanarach. Every single aspect. It's not just what you eat, it's how you dress, it's what you dress, which shoe you put on first. And kol shikain, when it comes to business, right? Do you want a dollar or, or a cent, a penny that's owed to you, that you owe somebody? Right. You think that you're making a few bucks here in the long term? You're going to have to pay it back. That is the truth. That is the truth. You're, n- you're never going to gain by doing wrong. And, and, and sometimes we get too caught up to going after the, the Goyim in how they conduct and run their businesses. And we just assume that that's okay and that's common practice. And it's really not. And they always look at you as a Jew. That's what's important to know. Right. Right. Anyway, Mayor, this has been absolutely fantastic. Really, uh, you know, just uh, before we end, you know, you talked about, you know, you got some pretty big clients. I know that you mentioned before uh, that one of your clients actually serves all of the Facebook employees when it comes to their dental. We, uh, have, a, we have a client that's uh, very interesting. They have uh, mobile dental practices. So instead of, you know, the employees having to leave the office and go to the dentist. So this specific client has mobile dental practice. They go to corporate locations and service them throughout the country. So uh, one of our largest clients, they go to clients such as Facebook, their corporate headquarters in Palo Alto, to LinkedIn, to kind of go Phillips and all these companies and instead of them having to go you know leave work and, and at the time they actually just take the elevator go down they go to the, the the mobile dental you know you know facility get their teeth clean get their teeth checked up whatever it might be and then go back to work amazing amazing and it's funny that uh, yeah, a lot of these perks that these uh, high tech companies are offering today are amazing I mean from getting your car wash to babysitting to dog grooming to yeah. uh, dental work to everything so uh, anyway Mayor this has been uh, absolutely fantastic Thank you so much for uh, taking no, the time. No, thank you for the time. I appreciate, I appreciate I, you know, it. I love what you're doing. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I can't wait to continue to watch you grow and uh, continue to be Matzliach. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with Nahum Kligman. We hope you learned something valuable and will share this with your friends. For show notes, archives of previous episodes, and more information to help you start and grow your business, please visit our website, www.fromentrepreneur.com. Listen, learn, be Masliak.